Great. Okay. I'm really excited for this episode of the Britico, um, and I'm really, really happy that you on this Lala they're like super excited about the discussion we're gonna have. Um, but before we dive in, can you maybe just give a bit of a background and like, yeah, tell people a bit about who you are, kind of what you're doing, and kind of your um, interest areas and research and stuff. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here um, to have this conversation. So yes, Lala de Shambola is my name. Um, I just finished my master's at Yale in African Studies, where I looked specifically at Nigerian immigrant identity in New York, Tokyo, and Mumbai. I'm now oh, wow. at Cambridge doing my PhD in sociology, and I'm focused on Nigerian, Nigerian identity in the US and in the UK, so specifically New York and London. Um, but I'm very interested in our simulation trajectories and our impact in the host country as well as back in Nigeria. I'm also the founder of Northfest, which is a traveling film festival curating the finest aspirational black films from across the diaspora. We're planning to launch in 2020. Um, and we're you know, really excited about kind of films that we're gonna be showing because they're very futuristic and gorgeous and just like positive aspirational. So that's my whole spiel. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm almost um, regretting the fact that, that I do keep the podcast so short because I'm sure we're really going to get into it as we've already been discussing um, prior. So I think, again, I just want to dive straight into where we were talking. So to kind of catch everyone up to speed. Um, in this episode, we're going to be, I guess, kind of just investigating diaspora identities. Um, I think just because of for example my background being Nigerian um and kind of your interest I do want to focus that specifically just because I don't want to speak for other you know identities and cultures um but one of the reasons I was saying this is so important to me is because I'm kind of frustrated at the conversation that I see happening um when it comes to diaspora identities and I was saying you know this whole kind of African versus Caribbean conversation if you want to call it that but then how that are actually terms just for Nigerian and Jamaican cultures but then even with that kind of I think there's a, a disrespect that happens I think with both of those groups I think other groups who talk about those groups um, and I think just a lack of kind of understanding each other's histories and yeah just kind of knowing about each other and that's not to say you know like oh we're all the same but I think there are we should celebrate our differences and our distinct cultures but then I think there is something about saying like there are connections and you know this kind of I don't know like divisive conversation or kind of arguments that go on I just think aren't conducive to anything and I think are actually just an expression of what happens when you don't know your history so to say just putting it out there nicely said <laughs> yeah um and yeah I think that's kind of really interesting with the yeah like kind of the research that that um you've done so I think kind of concentrating more maybe kind of on that identity and I think it will come out like more stuff is going to come out as you're saying especially focusing on the kind of like US UK London New York and then influence back home is this I like to call hyper visibility of Nigerians um mm. and yes <laughs> and I think I just want to start off by asking you um, maybe what do you think is part of the reason for the hypervisibility and then what responsibility, if any, do Nigerians have um, as a result of that when it comes to kind of the conversations that we have like within and about the diaspora um, and then I guess back home? 
Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Jump right in. Yes. Um, okay, so why why the hypervisibility and what is our responsibility, right? If any. Um, definitely we have a lot of responsibility. Okay. But um, I'll start with the first question. So I think, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons why Nigerians are hypervisible. You know, there's a lot of superiority sort of theories out there, right? <laughs> but I think one thing that's really important to pay attention to is the kind of concentrated effort that the British made when they colonized Nigeria mm. to educate, especially in the Southwest. Um, they really wanted, you know, eventually they needed to train up a lot of civil servants. Yes. And so, you know, especially in the Southwest of Nigeria, you have a lot of people who were educated, more educated than most of Africa. Mm. And so I don't think we talk enough about that. because mm. We were kind of like, there's definitely people who have been traveling the world and who've been educated across the continent for, you know, centuries. But I think that kind of hyper um, attention to educating the, the, the sort of middle class or creating a middle class of Nigerian, and then, you know, they became the elites, um, that translated into tons of people being educated, leaving the country, speaking great English and having access to opportunities that most people wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot of resilience in the Nigerian spirit and all of that. And we definitely have a lot of, you know, just sort of innate talent, fine. But I don't think we're that much more talented than, you know, other African groups. Oh, controversial. Of- <laughs> Shots fired. I don't know. I, I think we had a lot of access. I think we've had a lot of opportunity. We do. We're a little bit more gritty, maybe, you know, but, uh, and then there's a dimension of our cultures in Nigeria that's very just like success focused, status mm-hmm. focused, you know, we really care about money, status levels, right? And so all those things combined make it so that you have so many people who have the educational access, um, you know, relatively speaking, they have more than other Africans. And yet, and they're so obsessed with like status and becoming an Oga and a chief, mm-hmm. right? And a madame <laughs> that like we push ourselves to the max to achieve that. That's really interesting. Um, and But you said something there about it doesn't mean that we're necessarily, so I don't know how you framed it, something like we're not, it's not that we're necessarily like smarter than, it might, it's just like a thing of access and, you know, maybe travel and all of that. But I kind of want to investigate that. And what do you think that means for how kind of Nigerians view, you know, maybe even other Africans and the continent? Because one of the things that I've been thinking about is, um you know, do Nigerians have a narrow view of what it means to be African? Nigerians have a have an extreme superiority complex. Um, <laughs> we think that we're better than everybody. I think. No, like that. You're um, giving the people. You're giving the people ammunition. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm Nigerian. I'm proud you're about women, but like, I think you know, to who much is given, right? Much is expected from us. There's so mm. much more that we could be doing, and so. Yeah, I think um, I think we have a responsibility to like do more mm. for the diaspora. I think we're already doing a ton. Okay. We're doing a lot of great work as Nigerians in the diaspora, particularly, and, and people back home are doing incredible work as well that's benefiting other Africans. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to center, you know, any conversation about like Nigerian exceptionalism, mm. you know, growth in Nigeria, et cetera. When we talk about these things, we need to be talking about how does that translate into benefiting the rest of the continent and other Black people globally? Because our ancestors, more so in Nigeria than anywhere else, are responsible for, you know, selling people into slavery. 
right? Ooh. And so we, because of that, we have even more responsibility yeah. than we would. So we have a dimension of responsibility because of our success, our access, our education, our resources. But then there's there's a dimension of responsibility because we are very, very responsible for the current state of affairs concerning Black people globally. Okay, so there's two questions I want to um, kind of ask following that up. So I'm going to concentrate on this one first. And this also comes back to kind of knowing your history. And I think there's been, you know, a perfect sort of recent example is kind of the, um, kind of just the conversations and the actions and everything that's been going around with kind of Nigeria, South Africa, like the xenophobia, kind of like, you know, Burner Boy taking a start and kind of being like, you know, do you know X, Y, Z? And I think sometimes what frustrates me is that I think people don't know the stance that Nigeria and Nigerians have taken in support of our fellow, you know, kind of, you know like historically mm-hmm. yeah um and are are doing now um do you think that do you think people not knowing that might also be a reason that i don't want to say there's um resentment is not the right word but you know there's tension should i say between kind of Nigerians and the other continents that actually there's a lack of knowledge of other people knowing that no we have and we do support and have wanted to continue supporting the rest of the continent or do you think it actually we just haven't done enough? You're actually you're absolutely correct. We've done a lot. I think you know. I'm thinking about South Africa on apartheid. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about you know even other independent struggles across the continent. But the thing is that we are in a completely different era now. True. Right. So in the '60s, the '70s, like you just had a, the kind of people who were leading on the continent and who were leading in Nigeria. We actually had leaders, yeah. right? You don't want to get me started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Politics, right? That's but a whole other podcast. We actually had leaders. We actually had people who were thinking visionary, you know, mm. who, who had visionary mindsets and who were thinking about the next hundred years and how to get us completely out from under, you know, our colonial um, state. Mm. So back then, we did a lot. And we still, like, we do send troops and all of that mm. to different parts of the continent. We do a lot. But I think, so, okay, because one of the things that came to mind when you were talking is there's a different there's a different sort of dynamic here than in the States. Mm. There's definitely that same tension. And there's definitely a lot of people who see Nigerians as thinking that they're superior, you know, and, and feeling like we haven't done enough, but there's a, there's a number of nuances there that we have to engage with. Yes. We did a lot of stuff in the sixties and seventies. Yes. We do some things here and there, but we are not meeting. We're not up to like, we're not, you know, doing, commensurate work, I think, to like what we have access to. The average Nigerian in the diaspora, let me speak specifically about the States, mm-hmm. um, is not, like when I say the average Nigerian, I should, I should qualify that and say first generation immigrant, yeah. right? Because we can talk now about like other tiers of, of immigration mm-hmm. and how that changes things. But the average first generation Nigerian immigrant doesn't identify as Black, you know, um, doesn't identify with, you know, racial struggle, yeah. racial history in, in the U.S. And so I imagine that there would be some dimension of that coming here as well. I'm still learning about sort of race dynamics in the U.K., but I'm learning that they can be pretty bad yeah. in terms yeah. of, you know, the sense of, of Blackness that people have. Um, so, yeah, so, so the nuance just being that, like, the people who you know, are coming as first generation who have been lived in a black country and a black continent all their lives and have been surrounded by, you know, black television and and just whatever. Yes, they've been exposed to some Western media, but they've lived a black existence um, that really wasn't 
contested, right? They they lived in a place where their president was black and it wasn't, and nobody was like challenging their value yeah. as a human being on the basis of their their skin, right? And so when they come into a place like the US and you know, and obviously the UK as well, they don't really know what to expect, right? Things are starting to change over the last, you know, five years or so because the virality of all these police violence, you know, these videos of police murdering black people. And so some of my research, I've talked to people who literally like change their mind about going to the US because all of, of all the violence that they've seen. So people are becoming more aware now, but I think there's some hardened sentiments, you know, rooted in like the last 20 years of people really not getting it and not being connected to like black struggles, so to speak. But I do think what you're saying is absolutely correct. Like when we talk about history, not just Nigerians like supporting other Africans, like black people generally across the, yeah. <laughs> across the globe we're very, very, you know, unified. We're very organized. A lot of the stuff that you see, like the fact that African countries became independent at the same time that Black people were fighting for, you know, we can call it a form of independence, fighting, fighting for some sort of liberation in the U.S. And there were things happening, I don't know to what extent in the U.K., but I imagine, it, I, I remember reading about some, um, some activity happening here as well. It just lets you know that like this disjointed, you know, this sort of, antagonization, this, this conflict that we have with each other. It's very new mm. and it's very, you know, intentional, right? I can start getting into my conspiracy theories maybe on another <laughs> <laughs> call, right? But we've historically been very unified. We've been, we've historically, I mean, there's always chasms in any group of people, but as far as the people who, you know, had a clear understanding of like, look at the boys and, 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 you know, the number of people who were reading the boys back in, in, in Nigeria in the early 1900s, um, you know, the number of Nigerians who came to the U.S. and studied at, at historically Black colleges and universities. Um, just, you know, there was a there's a conference that Du Bois hosted, I think, in London, like eight, late 1800s. I have to get the exact name of the conference, but it was like a Pan-African conference. We had people coming from the Caribbean, you know, from the U.S., from Africa to talk about liberation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, you had people, you know, migrating back and forth between Brazil and Nigeria. Right. So. The idea of this like anti-blackness and this, you know, one is better than the other. We don't like each other. It's because we're all fighting for really small scraps from the master's table, mm. right? Like that's where all of this really comes from. We've been programmed to think badly of each other, to look down on each other, right? The kind of television uh, or media content that Black Americans see about Africa, you know, now it's it's now Africa's trendy, right? But like just 10 years ago, five years ago, like the majority of what we had exposure to in the States about Africa was very negative. It was, it was, you know, very focused on poverty. And that's still the case if you look at like mainstream television, course, right? Yeah. The reason people are now getting a better sense of like what it means to be African is because of social media. So I've gone on for a minute, but I don't know if that's answered your question. No, no. <laughs> All of that's really interesting. And I think kind of that last, you know, what you're talking about, sort of the liberation struggles and the kind of cross-cultural, cross kind of Atlantic um, relationships. And I think this is, exactly what i'm trying to allude to this sort of not understanding i'm like people understood that history i agree with you like that's when we realized like we are fighting over like the bare minimum like i don't exactly. know i find it quite um ridiculous but i think on the other um side and there's so many things that i'm like looking forward to unpacking um is where i've kind of been challenged is um you know, to what extent do we, you know, or do Nigerians swallow up other kind of, especially in West Africa, like other identities, especially for smaller countries and 
is there almost kind of with that superiority complex or supposed (laughs) um do we? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe Nigerians. Maybe it's not a real no, thing. No, I'm joking. Know. I'm yeah. joking. Um, <laughs> but is there an assumption that actually, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we could do more, but maybe that that in itself is that superiority. Like maybe people are like we don't need anything from you. Just stay where you are and just be where you are. Or do you? Th- you mean? You mean Nigerians should stay? Yeah. Or are we sort of communicating that to other people? Yeah. And like, no, I mean, but, but should other, you know, kind of, are we also assuming that we should be doing more for other people? Maybe other people don't want us. You're, it's just like, oh, typical. Here you go. The arrogant selves think we need your help again. Um, we don't need you. Just stay within your, your borders. Stop dominating the West African identity. <laughs> mm, I mean, I think it's a numbers game, right? Mm. Um, thank you this is what i say please continue (laughs) (laughs) it's really a numbers game i should know the statistic isn't it like one in four black people is nigerian globally um oh so apparently i'm being told it's one in five but i'm going with one in four one in five (laughs) um so it's really a numbers game we have 180 million people you know um we have so many different groups and when you talk about dwarfing other groups like when you think about what it means to be nigerian outside of nigeria you're really talking mostly about like yorubas and igbos right in terms of like the way nigerian identities have been branded and so when we talk about dwarfing other groups let's talk about the groups that we dwarf within nigeria right the hundreds of, of ethnic groups and language groups that nobody really knows about because they're smaller than like yoruba Igbo, hausa um and so yeah i mean we're just we're numerous and again because of that access to that military power that the british left you know the northerners with um and the access to education it was just easier for us to just like multiply our wealth <laughs> yeah right um, and so as far as whether, so when I talk about Nigerians sort of like having a responsibility, I don't think about it in terms of aid. I don't think about it in terms of like going to other countries and like giving them or doing for them. Mm. Um, I think about it more in terms of leadership, like thought leadership um, and engaging with like, listen, we're, we're in a period right now. This is the end of 2019. We're about to enter 2020. And if you really look at what's happening across the globe and how quickly Africans are rising in every dimension, yeah. in every possible dimension, um, then it, it becomes very clear, like, what the trajectory of the next 10 years looks like for, like, Black people, like, for Africans, and especially Nigerians. Because if you're talking, if you're talking about political power, if you're talking about economic power, you know, just, just like, social um, pop culture influence, like, <laughs> we're, we're exploding. Yeah. And, that, and that's only going to, you know, like exponentially multiply over the next 10 years. So when I say that we have a responsibility, I'm talking about like, what are we saying in our music that everyone's listening to across the globe, Mm. right? What are we saying about Nigeria? What are we saying about Blackness? What are we saying about, you know, (laughs) neocolonialism? How are we engaging with like the issues that all Black people face globally that, you know, that we, because I think one of the things that happens because we're Nigerian and because we have resources is, you know, especially in the educated class, the educated elite, we're not concerned about people who don't have what we have. Yeah, it's not right? our problem. It doesn't affect us. Like, we'll be it's all right. It's not our problem. You yeah. know, the, the, the Nigerian sort of creative class, which is what I want to focus on with my research, um, is the only sort of group of people that I have found to be really, really, like, concerned and obsessed with, the, like, the plight of the average man, mm-hmm. right? There's definitely lots of people doing NGA and NGO work in Nigeria and doing all, all sorts of amazing stuff across the board. Um, but I think, generally speaking, the message that we convey to others is that we're not as concerned. Um, 
you know, everybody else just needs to get their money up. <laughs> you know, they just need to work hard. You know, like yeah. we're the Republicans of the diaspora in a sense. Like just, you know, like just, just figure out your life, you know, just become a lawyer, doctor, engineer, you'll be fine. Right. Um, so I don't know. When I say we have a responsibility, I think it's more in, in terms of thought leadership, but, but let's flip it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you know, how other people, what, you know, the responsibility of other groups of people, because, you know, even in my research and looking at this one book I read about uh, Nigerians in the UK, I think that's, that's the only in-depth research I've come across about Nigerians in the UK and identity. And, you know, and, and it compares the UK and the USS Bio Noso Imoagene. She also did her master's at Cambridge. And she, um, she talks about how, you know, when Nigerians engage other Black people in schools, for instance, oh, speak on you know, it. as young people, right, we get abused. Thank like, we you. get real, like, and it's really just like, oh, you're African, right? Yeah. Because the images I've seen of Africa on the news are like poor people and, and savages and like monkeys, right? Mm. And so a lot of us have, have, I experienced this personally here in the UK and in, in the States, right? Yeah. This idea of like, you're other, you're different. I'm really not feeling you. Mm. And so what that does, you know, we don't give a lot of, you know, importance to like these childhood experiences, but a lot of people are traumatized and like not interested in engaging with other groups of, you know, Black people on that level because literally they were like picked on by Caribbean people or by Black American people, like all of their youth, right? Yeah, and I completely agree. And I think that's really interesting for me because this is the other thing when I see certain conversations, right, where I'm like, my memory is long, right? There are things that I remember. And and I think for not just people, and not just people of kind of Caribbean background, but I think even other people who benefited from not having the hypervisibility of being African, right? Like people choosing to distance themselves from Nigeria. So I understand there's the thing of, actually our identity and our culture is different and we shouldn't be dwarfed by Nigerian or Nigerian culture but I think there's another thing where hypervisibility isn't always a positive experience right and you know I know what it was like for me in school I know the conversations and I know the things that were said and it's trendy now and I think that's kind of where my tension lies where I want there to be more of a unified um message generally I think when it comes to people of like different diaspora um kind of backgrounds and identities but you know to speak to that point I think there is a I think there is a uh I don't know if the word is resilience but almost a protection that Nigerians have done but it's like do you know what I remember and in the typical Nigerian fashion being like I'm going to show you I'm going to get my money up I'm going to be the person that you know and I'm not saying that's always a good thing but I think how do we make space for those conversations too like it's not just every Nigerian is trying to be like a difficult, annoying, superiority complex person. It's a, actually there's been really negative, traumatic experiences because of the hypervisibility and how do we make space for that? And I think it's a lot, I think because of where sort of Nigerians are right now, like you were saying, especially in that kind of creative class, I think it's easy to forget that, but it's like, you know, that happened. Um, And I'm not saying that makes everything else okay, but I think we have to make space for that conversation like for me it kind of all goes back to this yeah like people need to know the history they need to know the relationship between different diaspora you know yeah it's just crazy to me because I'm just like you know some of the people that we were very like thought leaders and like liberation struggles it's just like they were all connected right like you had Mm. like and I don't want to just say Nigerian like the kind of people on the African continent like liberators leaders who were connected with like their kind of fellow people in different like kind of Caribbean islands who are connected with p- 
people who were leading leading like liberation struggle in the US. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean we shouldn't have those conversations because we're not a monolith and we have to discuss that. But I think mm-hmm. there is a thing of guys like just if you know more there's so many things that we just would not waste our energy talking about like it's so much bigger than that it like there are just some things i'm like it's so much it's so much bigger than that so i i want to ask you because there's there's so many things i want to say in response to that i want to get a a better sense from you about like the biggest points of contention that maybe caribbean people or non-nigerian people have with nigerians in the uk Mm. from your experience yeah um yeah, let's start there. I'm forgetting my second question anyway. Um, so this is the thing, like, I, I'm i not going to speak for them. I'm just going to speak of, like, the conversations that I've had with them, right? So before anyone listens goes, oh, this is typically, she's speaking for us, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but I think it is that thing of um, kind of the hyperphysically, the domination. I think it's a thing of... Um, erasing their own experience erasing their own culture erasing their own identity and not making space for that as well um in a very sort of high level kind of general view but I think it's kind of the stuff that you're speaking to I think it is this um people believe I mean the jury is out of its truth who or not this is me trying to be like defensive of us um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah of this superiority and of this like domination of being like you know we are better than we are the best we are the elite culture and the elite um yeah just the elite country and um you know and it kind of you know the winning things have just been like Bernard Boy's Nigerian did you know most Brazilians come from like Nigeria like it's just a thing where you can claim like we like to claim everything (laughs) as ours Mm. and leave no space and I think also I think one of the tensions for so it's interesting I think there's that the side like I said where it's just like actually we dealt with a lot of like crap in school but I think the other flip side is actually like especially I think Nigerians and I will say this like we have not made space or recognized the path that Caribbean's made for us in this country a lot of the stuff that we can do here in the UK and uh, let me speak for London you know we wouldn't have not we would not have been able to do without like there are things that Caribbean people dealt with for like that they, there's stuff that they dealt with that it's not that we don't deal with, but they they paved the way. Like they made certain things so much better that we will never understand. And it's so interesting. And I think what this was, I was so much younger and it stuck with me. And I remember, I'm paraphrasing now, but it was my granddad who, you know, who who said something, but he was basically just like, my experience in the UK was made possible by like the West Indian man. Obviously I'm just paraphrasing but it it was basically him saying like let's not forget that a lot of the stuff we can do would not have been possible if it wasn't for the struggle that they fought he was like you know they fought for me before I even knew that I needed to fight for something and I think that's part of the tension as well like I have to admit I don't help myself in this because obviously I'm trying to address this stuff but Mm. but no but seriously I think that is a big um a big tension I mean, there's petty stuff, but I'm not talking about the petty stuff because I don't think we should make space for that. But I think that is a big, um, a big issue. But this is where it goes back to: if people know their history and they know like the struggle and the where the community has been, I think there's just so many things that I'm like, it's just it's frustrating because I just wish we were all a bit more educated about each other. And I say this as like, as someone who thinks I am interested in stuff and I try to educate myself, I would even say like in the past two three years, like what I've been educated on 
and what I've learned from other people, especially those of Caribbean descent, has like completely shifted or expanded, you know, my perspective. Um, and I think it's been it's important to be open about or be open to learning um, and being being able to put your hand up and being like, oh, do you know what? Like it wasn't us Nigerians that fixed everything. Other people did it for us. And that is OK. It doesn't make us less than it's mm. it's fine. Um, can I ask you where your education came from in terms of, um, you know, the expanding of your mind and, and understanding like how our histories are intertwined? So I think it's a mixture of stuff. I think it's uh, just being like a history geek. Like I'm just interested in that stuff because I am a believer mm. of like, how can you know where you're going if you don't know where you've come from type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's just being lucky, being just surrounded by people who, I think I have an interest because I'm also the kind of person I investigate stuff, right? If something doesn't make sense to me or, you know, someone makes a sweeping statement or a stereotype, but like, where mm. has that come from? Where's that tradition come from? Like, who created that? Who made that up? Someone did that, right? Mm-hmm, Let's investigate mm-hmm. that. But I think it's also um, being surrounded. And I would say, especially more so in like the last two, three years, being surrounded by people of Caribbean descent, being surrounded by people of other, specifically other West African identities. Because I think I've known mm-hmm. other people of different African, you know, kind of East and South African. But I think having people from other West African identities has also like kind of challenged me and like made me learn stuff and doesn't mean that I don't challenge back and say actually hold on I think you're being a bit unfair to us but I mm. think it's also kind of been like mm, you know there are perspectives that I haven't considered um but I think that's the thing like you know you're not learning this in school and let's be honest like a lot of our parents perpetuate and like grandparents of that generation perpetuate these things about each other like people have to take individual ownership I believe in wanting to learn this stuff because it's if you don't want to learn it it's very easy to not to it's very easy not to like it's not you you have to go out of your way to okay so, it, which is a bit of a shame but yeah I think the key um you know idea that you're driving at is, is knowing your history and yeah. and each other's and other people's histories right well right and so it's it's I think it's very intentional right I, I would love to get some sources and now I need to go get some more um tangible sources on this but if you look at the kind of media, you know, that is perpetuated, the stories that are perpetuated about Africa and the U.S. and vice versa, mm. um, and about the, you know, the U.S. and Africa, like the images that Africans see yeah. um, of Black Americans, that's what's exported. And what the whole world really sees of Black America is like, you know, drug, whatever, drug lords and, and gangbangers. Mm. Um, and even in Nigeria, like some of the people I've interviewed have said that they saw that stuff and they thought like Black Americans were cool. And then they got to the States and, you know, they were like, and people were mean to them, you know, and so that mm-hmm. was where the tension started. But there's different, there's so many different experiences. But what I'm trying to get at is we, none of us learned this history in, you know, in grade school. Um, and mm-hmm. that's really like where it starts, right? Like you're, if you're giving someone a foundation that is, you know, it's getting couched, it's couched in um, a white revisionist history, right? Mm-hmm. A whitewash, a white savior history, yeah. where you're now putting all these black people on the same, these black children on the same plane and you're teaching them about Socrates and, you know, the whole whatever Greek pantheon and you're celebrating whiteness and you're celebrating, you know, Eurocentrism. And you have a group of people, a group of children who don't see themselves there, right? And so this idea of less than, this idea that you're less than, this idea that you don't matter, that you're invisible, 
um, starts to, you know, seep in at that young age. And that's the same time that you're encountering people who look like you, but are different from you. And you mm -hmm. already feel less than, so you're going to hate them too, because you hate yourself, right? So my thing is, I was always talking about self-hatred and self-hatred comes from that place of not knowing your history, not right. knowing the glory of blackness, um, not knowing that you have ancestors who did great thing, not knowing that the Egyptians were black and that Christ was <laughs> Christ was black. I'm always going to say what? that, right? He wasn't oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you some, you know, I'll give you all some sources if you want, but like, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, I mean, imagine you put five-year-olds in a classroom, you know, it's like two black kids in there and the whole rest of the class is white and they're teaching that about, you know, black Egyptians, right? Like, how does that change the, the dynamics? How does that change people's mindsets in the classroom, you know, as they're interacting with people who, who are different from them or who look like them? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we all do these things. We all have, you know, we all make these assumptions about each other. Um, we all kind of buy into one stereotype or another. Our, prayer, our parents certainly perpetuated all of this, but that's because of what they were taught, what right. was fed to them. It takes a very, you know, specific type of person to even go and investigate and ask these questions. You have to really be uh, peaked. You have to, I mean, for me, like I'm very radical now, but like I wasn't as a kid, right? Like yeah. it took certain exposure. And so 90% of us, 99% of us probably don't get that exposure, right? And, and because, you know, I can't speak for the UK yet, but I know in the States, the media, the way that you're dumbed down and drugged by the media and the food, <laughs> right. you know, like it's really hard to ask questions about like history and like, does this make sense? Because you're just trying to figure out like how to stay alive. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's up to us. You know, so there was another point that you made about how people, Caribbean people think the Nigerians are like erasing them from the narrative. Mm. And so. And in fairness, I have to say, like, it's not about thinking like even this is even where I'm like we have done it like it's it's uh there is I have to admit I there is not a true okay. recognition I'm talking about in the UK right like okay. I have to admit like I don't think there is a true recognition of the fight that Caribbeans have done and how that has made it easier for us because a lot of and yeah it's a different background but it's like a lot of our kind of first gen parents or people who have had I think maybe grandparents are slightly different because they might have come around at the same time but I think there is a thing um where actually we need to recognize that but then on the flip side, there's the also part where it's just like, actually, Africans have also been here for a long time. Like, there's just, there's so much more. Like, I, the kind of, this conversation has made me, and this is why I kind of wanted to concentrate on the Nigerian part as well, because I don't want to, like, speak for others. But I would love, I think we need to have another conversation. I'd love to bring someone who's, like, Caribbean and maybe, like, more of a scholar, like, research in this, because I think we could really, like, start to unpack some, you know, kind of add that other um dynamic i think we could really unpack some like really interesting, interesting yeah i mean there's, a, there's a lot there's a lot to dissect here um yeah so, <laughs> which yeah, i decided the, to do in 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, you know that's a thing like i don't know what your, your overall <laughs> podcast topic is but this is certainly something that you know there's a lot to be said about i'm thinking about starting a podcast on this very topic i don't know um you've heard you've heard it here folks get in touch <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think um I think one thing that's really important, yes, to what you said about not not being aware of like or not including the history of Caribbeans. Yes, we have to take you know some responsibility for for how we perpetuate what you know the British, the, the white British are doing through the media, et cetera. Um, but I think there's been something to be said for sort of taking responsibility for your own group, right? Mm. And most people, that's just kind of how humans default, right? We default to looking out for those who are like us, those who are in our clan, those yeah. who are in our language group, et cetera. 
right? And so because of the numbers game, because of the domination of Nigerians, because of the educational access, because of the, the social class and the cultural sort of celebration of power and wealth and, and you know, pomp, um, when we enter these spaces, we show out. Like we just mm. naturally, you know, want to be visible. Um, you know, there's a story that I read by... I have to get his name, Baba, Baba Tunde. He was like an education minister in Nigeria for a very long time. He, he wrote this book called ba Back to America, to America and Back Alive or something. Right? He, he recounted mm -hmm. his experience of like coming to the U.S. in the 40s um, and encountering like Black Americans and how proud he was as an African, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. he had his coat, like he knew, he spoke his language, he knew where he came from. Um, and no, no white person. So like when white people, you know, told them on the train that this, this is a whites only car, for him, he's like, what? Who are you talking to? Mm. You know, because he came, he was already a full person knowing his history, right? And so when you have that sort of grounding, it changes the way you interact with the world. It's just very difficult. It's very difficult for people to put you down and judge you, et cetera, when you have a sense of who you are. Mm. And so when we come into places, you know, into these Western countries and we create programs we create the Nigerian independence day parade and we create the niger you know like <laughs> nigerian development whatever like we have that comes from this sense of pride that comes from a sense of unity that comes from a sense of power and the ability to even like believe you can influence the world right and you can that you need to be seen because you're special right so there's there's certainly um something to be said for that i think that's so i think we, we're gonna do that naturally and i think because people automatically look out for who looks like them, of course, we're going to create Nigerian programming, right? Mm -hmm. However, if we have healthy engagements with Caribbeans, with Ghanaians, with, you know, Ivorians, whoever else, like, there's no reason why we can't exchange with them. There's no reason why we can't have our own Nigerian Independence Day parade, but still support their Sierra Leonean, you know, Independence Day parade, right? So yeah. I think we can't necessarily be I don't, I mean, I don't know as much from the UK side, but I don't think you can really um, blame Nigerians for erasing other black people from the narrative, unless you're saying- There we go, that, like, let's end it. You heard everyone. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't really blame us for that because like we're doing what everybody does. We're creating, unless you're saying mm -hmm. that, you know, we're writing stories or we're telling, we're telling stories, we're making films where we're changing identities of characters. Like that's a completely different level of accusation, right? But if, mm -hmm. if you're saying that, because we're showing off our culture, we're erasing yours. That's just not, I mean, that's, that's not, that's just not, those two things are not um, congruous, right? Because you, as a Caribbean person, like that's your responsibility, right? So because in Brooklyn, for instance, Caribbeans have huge numbers, they shut down one of the busiest like roads in Brooklyn for a parade, for a carnival parade every year, because mm. like that's what, you know, and I'm sure mm -hmm. that happens in London as well, right? Um, so I think you you can't really say Nigerians are doing X, Y, and Z to other people in that dimension because that's sort of a natural outcome of just having a high number of people concentrated in one place. But I do think we have a responsibility to invite everybody else, which I think we're doing a great job of, especially more recently, to invite other groups to enjoy our cultures and our country with us. Hmm. That was really good. I feel like <laughs> we've, I think it's one of those like, you know, naturally, I think with a conversation like this, I was like, oh, we'll talk about this, this. And it's kind of naturally kind of gone on to lots of different things. Um, but like I said, I would love to, 
I think I need to like sit down and think and who else to invite this conversation I'd love to do a part two because I think there's so much more to unpack and I'm looking forward to you kind of starting your own thing and like really delving into this kind of more on a consistent um basis um going back to one of the things that you were talking about you know kind of you know when you're in school and what it means to um you know kind of like what you're learning and when it comes to like knowing your history and stuff one of the things I always do like every episode is I ask my guests to kind of to to kind of close off the episode is what's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self um it doesn't have to be necessarily related to this topic but if there was one thing that kind of like younger Lola could have known like what's one thing you wish you could tell yourself then wow um so I almost feel like we're gonna have a therapy session but I'm gonna keep it, <laughs> I'm gonna keep it light um I mean I think it's really just that self-love I think you know, self-love takes many forms and there's a dimension of self-love that happens at the individual level where you just like celebrate yourself as a human. Um, and then there's a, a layer, there's a dimension of self-love that has to happen as a black person. Um, and mm-hmm. I think my goal and the work that I do is really just to get more black people to have that self-love, to have that sense of value um, because white supremacy exists in our minds, right? Like if we don't think white people are better than us, then then they're not. And so I mean, clearly you can see I'm very passionate about, yeah. <laughs> you know, like overflowing white supremacy. But um, <laughs> but I think that's what really puts us in the situation that we are, why we're fighting over everything. We're fighting over Hollywood. We're fighting over like every little thing where, you know, there's a convergence of different types of blackness. There's conflict. And that's because of a lack of self-awareness, a lack of knowledge of our history, a lack of self-love. Um, and so, yeah, what I would tell my younger self and anybody out there who doesn't, who hasn't fully embraced their blackness yet, um do that work because that's going to change your life (laughs) amazing I'm gonna end on that note thank you so much um for the time thank you so much for the conversation I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what people have to say (laughs) about what we've spoken about (laughs) um I'm sure it's gonna be kind of yeah very interesting but um yeah a topic and a conversation that needs to be had and this is what I say with every episode, right? Because they are quite short. It's it's not that we have solved the whole thing, but it's like, how do we start a wider conversation? Like, how can this be a a stepping stone, right? To to more talk, kind of like more healing. And Absolutely. And I think that. I'm very passionate about having these conversations. And I really, you know, I would love to be involved in organizing any sort of conversations. Um, I think, yeah, we start by talking about it and creating a safe space to just explore what we're all experiencing um that's where it all begins exactly thank you so much Lola. i really appreciate it thank you i appreciate you